Hello, this is Snegdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 16th of December. With an addition of over 26,000 new cases in the last 24 hours, India's coronavirus tally mounted to 99.32 lakh. The national recovery rate stood at over 95%, with the active caseload remaining under the 4 lakh mark. Over 350 fresh fatalities were reported and the nationwide death toll has risen to 1.44 lakh. The Supreme Court yesterday asked the central government to consider giving a break to doctors engaged in COVID-19 duty. The court suggested that continuous work might affect the mental health of doctors. Eight more cases of COVID-19 were reported in IIT Madras today, taking the total number of cases at the institute to 191. Six students also tested positive at Chennai's Anna University. Following this, the Tamil Nadu government ordered testing across colleges and universities. Meanwhile, the Nitish Kumar government in Bihar yesterday approved a proposal for providing free anti-coronavirus vaccines to all the people of the state. This comes just days after opposition parties in Kerala, including the BJP, had accused the state's left government of breaking the model code of conduct by promising free vaccines to everyone in Kerala. Tamil Nadu and Madhya Pradesh do have offered free vaccines to their residents. A magistrate court in Delhi has acquitted 36 foreigners who were booked for allegedly disobeying COVID norms while attending the three-day Tablighi Jamaat event in March. Chief Metropolitan Magistrate Arun Kumar Garg acquitted the foreigners from 14 countries of all charges. The farmers' agitation against the centre's new farm laws at the borders of Delhi entered its 21st day today. The Supreme Court today proposed the central government to form a committee to end the deadlock over the farm laws. The Apex Court recommended that the committee comprise representatives from both the government and farmer unions. The bench headed by Chief Justice of India, S.A. Bobde, was hearing a plea seeking removal of all the protesters from Delhi borders. The Chief Justice said, and I quote, All of you sit together. Prepare a tentative list of committee members. Government's engagement with farmers won't work out, it seems. Unquote. The court also issued a notice to the centre and states with regard to a batch of pleas seeking the removal of farmers from the border points. The farmer unions, meanwhile, in an email to the Agriculture Ministry, rejected the centre's December 9th proposal offering concessions in the farm laws. The email by Samyukt Kisan Morcha, representing protesting farmer unions, also said that the government should stop maligning the farmers' movement and stop parallel negotiations with other farmer organisations. A faction of the Bharatiya Kisan Union from Uttar Pradesh met Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar yesterday and later said it would be suspending its agitation for a month. The group's chief, Pawan Thakkar, told NDTV that his union has placed a demand for a new MSP Act before the government. Protesting farmers, meanwhile, blocked the Chilla border between Delhi and Noida this morning. Police tightened security arrangements at the Chilla border with multi-layered barricades, jersey barriers and additional security personnel. A farmer identified as Kulvinder Singh died today on his way to the single border of Delhi. According to farmer unions, 20 farmers have died at or around the borders of Delhi since the protest started 20 days ago. The farmer unions declared December 20th as a day of mourning for those who died during the protests and said that the government was responsible for the deaths. Meanwhile, two more independent MLAs from Haryana came out in support of the farmers yesterday. This comes just days after independent MLA Sombir Sangwan withdrew support from Haryana's BJP-led coalition government over the farm laws. The two MLAs, Dharam and Randhir Golan, urged the central government to look into the issues raised by the farmers. 
Dear listeners, News Laundry reporters Nidhi and Basant have been on the grounds of the farmers' protest since day one. My other colleagues Ayusha Nana also went to the protest site recently to bring you some fresh ground reports. In their latest report, Ayusha Nana spoke to ex-servicemen who served in the armed forces and are now protesting the farm laws at Delhi. Let me read you out an excerpt. Joginder Singh describes the ongoing farmer protests as the third war of his life. The 75-year-old former subedar of the Indian Army fought two wars as a young soldier. He was injured in Kashmir's Uri sector in 1965 and was stationed in Port Blair when the Americans sent their nuclear-powered Seventh Fleet into the Bay of Bengal in December 1971 when the Indian military was fighting Pakistani forces in what would become Bangladesh. Today he is stationed at the Singhu border. The Indian government has been handing over resources to the corporate sector since the 1990s, said Joginder who served in the army for 28 years until 1991. Now they want to hand over farmers land to the private sector. I'll only go home after winning this war too. To read their complete report go to newslaundry.com. It is titled Modi and Shah were kids when we fought for India. At Singhu protest ex soldiers denounced Naxal Jibs. And dear listeners while you're on our website please do check out the other ground reports from the protests under the farmer protest section of our website. Such telegraph reports by our team of reporters are only possible with the support of our subscribers. As most of you are aware, News Laundry is an independent news platform, 100% free of ads. We do not take any funds from advertisers, sponsors or even the government. We solely depend on your subscriptions to get you the stories that matter. So, if you're not a subscriber yet, hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of our website and subscribe today. The lowest subscription plan starts at 300 rupees a month only. The Bombay High Court today put a stay on the transfer of a portion of land in Mumbai's Kanjur Marg to the Mumbai Metropolitan Region Development Authority or MMRDA for building of the metro car shed. The High Court bench asked the MMRDA to maintain status quo on the land till the central government's plea claiming rights over the land was heard. In October this year the Uddhav Thackeray government had ordered the shifting of the metro car shed project from the RA forest to the Kanjur Marg land. Several protests had taken place in Mumbai last year over the RA colony which included a forest area and had been chosen by the former BJP government for the metro project. 38 people were booked in connection with the protests that demanded that hundreds of trees in the RA colony not be cut for the car shed. The Bombay High Court had dismissed a series of pleas to stop the work and refused to give RA the status of a forest. One of the first decisions taken by the Uddhav Thackeray government after being sworn in last year was to stop the project work at RA. Thackeray in October this year had ordered the shifting of the metro car shed project from RA colony to the Kanjur Marg land. He also ordered that 800 acres of land in RA Milk Colony would be declared a reserve forest. Following this the center's department of promotion of industry and internal trade had written to the Maharashtra government instructing it to stop developing the car shed at Kanjur Marg. This was done saying that the land came under the said department. A former councillor of Gujarat's Mandavi municipality and two others were booked on Monday for allegedly assaulting a 60-year-old journalist in Surat. The journalist Mahesh Jalora, a resident of Mandvi, was allegedly assaulted by former councillor Manish Shah and his relatives Prakash and Chitu. Incidentally, Shah also happens to be the former chairman of a bank in Mandvi. According to the complainant, who is the journalist's nephew, the journalist used to report stories about the bank, criticizing its former chairman Manish. 
The journalist Mahesh Jalora had been working in a vernacular newspaper for 20 years and is also the president of Manvi Journalists Association. On Monday, the election results for the board of directors, in which the accused was the chairman, were declared. The accused Shah came 13th in the elections. After the declaration of the result, the accused Shah, along with his relatives, allegedly confronted Jalora near his house. After a heated argument, the three allegedly assaulted Mahesh, who became unconscious after sustaining multiple injuries. Jalora was later admitted to a hospital and the doctors said that he had incurred fractures on his nose and injuries on his head. They added that his condition was now out of danger and he was still undergoing treatment. The Manvi police have booked the three men for voluntarily causing hurt, public obscenity and intimidation. The police added that they have started the investigation and would arrest the absconding accused soon. The Delhi police yesterday detained a group of people including students and the mother and younger sister of activist Umar Khalid. The people had participated in a candlelight procession near the Jamia Millia Islamia University in view of the one-year anniversary of last year's violence on the Jamia campus. According to a scroll report, Khalid's father, Sayyid Ilyas, said that a small group of women and children were holding a small candlelight march in Delhi's Butler House area. The police arrived at Butler House and took them away to an undisclosed location. He added that he visited three police stations near the area but was turned away by all of them. He later got a call from his wife and daughter that they had been released and were at the Jamia Nagar station. Activist Anirban Bhattacharya told Scroll that there had been heavy police deployment around Jamia University for the past few days. On December 15th last year, violence had erupted near Jamia University after an anti-CAA march by protesters, including students, had turned into a face-off with the police. Several students and police officers were injured and buses had been set on fire. The police were accused of using excessive force. Footage later emerged that showed the police storming into the campus and assaulting students. To know more about what happened in Jamia that day, do read Ismat Ara's report from the same day that is December 15th last year. It is titled, Undeclared Emergency in Jamia Milia, Students Beaten Up, Tear Gas by Delhi Police. You'll find the report on our website, newslaundry.com. And now for some international updates. COVID-19 has infected over 73.5 million people around the world, out of which nearly 1.64 million have lost their lives to the virus. The US, India and Brazil continue to have the highest active caseload. In Japan, Tokyo reported its highest single-day case total of the pandemic so far with 678 infections. Germany today entered a strict lockdown in order to control the soaring number of coronavirus cases in the country. The number of COVID-related deaths in Germany jumped by over 950, the highest daily increase yet. The British capital, London 2, moved into the highest level or Tier 3 of COVID restrictions today. The Tier 3 restrictions in the UK mean that theatres, pubs, restaurants will have to close, although takeaway food outlets are allowed to operate. The UK government also announced today that over 1,30,000 people across the country have been vaccinated against COVID-19 since last week. The UK on December 2nd had granted emergency use authorization to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. In the US, Donald Trump's press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, said today that Trump will absolutely encourage Americans to take the COVID-19 vaccine. She added that Trump will receive a vaccine himself as soon as his medical team gives a green signal. Claiming that the first round of immunization in the US was a success for Trump, she added, and I quote, The first doses of a COVID-19 vaccine were administered to frontline workers across the country. 
The president promised a safe and effective vaccine in record time and the president delivered. Unquote. According to a report by the Committee to Protect Journalists, at least 274 journalists are in jail worldwide as of December 1, 2020 in relation to their work. This number exceeds the previous high of 272 jail journalists in 2016. The report said that this marks the fifth consecutive year that repressive governments have imprisoned at least 250 journalists. The report noted that China, Turkey, Egypt and Saudi Arabia are the worst jailers. Worldwide, 67% of the jail journalists were imprisoned on anti-state charges such as terrorism or membership of banned groups. No charges were disclosed in 19% of the cases. According to the report, 12% out of these were imprisoned on charges of false news and 12% on retaliatory charges. In the United States, however, no journalists were jailed at the time of the report, but an unprecedented 110 journalists were arrested or criminally charged in 2020. In addition, around 300 were assaulted. According to the US Press Freedom Tracker, the majority of them were assaulted by law enforcement. The report lists only four journalists in jail in India. Asif Sultan, Anantel Tumre, Gautam Navlakha and Siddiqui Kapan. If you think India is much better compared to the rest of the world when it comes to press freedom, allow me to pop your bubble. India's current ranking on the World Press Freedom Index is 142 out of 180 countries. According to the recently published Global Impunity Index by CPJ, 36 journalists have been killed in our country since 1992 and only two out of these cases have actually seen convictions. Does this not send out a message that people can get away with killing journalists in our country? News Laundry has been consistently covering incidents of trespasses against the press freedom of journalists. I urge you to head to the media section of newslaundry.com after listening to this podcast. There you will find reports of how journalists have been arrested and even assaulted in the recent years for doing their job. You can also see our extensive coverage of news organizations sacking journalists during the course of the pandemic. In fact, recently we also faced a lawsuit from the Sakal Media Group run by a powerfully politically connected family. Why, you ask? Because we were doing our job as a media critique news platform. We had reported on how the organization had sacked its employees despite government directives that instructed otherwise. All this in the middle of a pandemic. Our saving grace and biggest strength is that we run on your support, not advertisers or sponsors. And this is why we can get you stories that matter, with zero advertisements and without pushing agendas or any vested interests. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.